Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. The commitments we have in our lives seem to require a never-ending balancing act. It's hard to stay committed to God in this process. In today's message, we will discover that God's commitment to us transforms this process by giving us His presence in all areas of life. But I want to begin today simply by recognizing that it's also a new year, right? Christmas is in this weird time of, well, we, it's at the end of the year, and then we turn over a calendar year, and we, we, we're sort of conditioned by our culture to, to think about new year, new you, right? <laughs> if you watch the uh, New Year's Eve celebration, everything was sponsored by Planet Fitness. I don't know if you all saw that. <laughs> And we have this idea in our minds and our culture that as we turn over the new year, hopefully we can begin to enact some new practices, some new resolutions, right, that make us a better person, right? How many of you have ever done a New Year's resolution? Be honest, yes. How many of you have ever failed at a New Year's resolution? Be honest, yes, right. And resolutions that we make are generally anywhere from, again, exercise. It could be just eating better. It could be uh, spending less time with media, whether that be social or TV or whatever it might be. You might have a resolution to read more. You might have a resolution to laugh more. Some of us are just grumps and we don't laugh enough, right? Whatever these resolutions we have tried or maybe we have even resolved and, com- and actually been successful at, we know that resolutions require commitment, don't they? And commitment is really sort of the problem of, of all human endeavors <laughs> because commitment means that we're going to stick with it and put our energy and our time and our resources into whatever it is that we've got going on. But the problem with New Year's resolutions is generally we make New Year's resolutions when we have the least amount of commitments. Have you ever noticed that? The time between Christmas and New Year's, many of us have that time off. You're not at work. You're going to f- doing family things. Things are weird. Your, your routine is off. And so you don't remember all the different commitments. Because I'm going to just, I'm going to lose 100 pounds this next year. Forgetting that, you know, whenever work starts up, we're working 60 hours a week, right? And all of a sudden you realize I made this commitment when I didn't have any commitments. And when my other commitments start up, maybe I can't lose all this weight that I set out to do. I think that's why a lot of our resolutions fail, honestly. It's because we make them in a time where we don't have our normal routines. But the problem of it is, of course, commitment. You and I only have so much time and ability and energy to the commitments that we have, right? I mean, think about it. It's, it's sort of a balancing act. I mean, if you work this much and you have all of these things with family and kids and you have uh, these kinds of um, other responsibilities over here, or maybe we serve in some kind of way and then we talk about church and we talk about all of these commitments, 
all of a sudden we, we have spinning plates, right? And we're spinning, we're spinning, and oh, I haven't done this for a while, so I've got to go over here and spin it again, and right? The problem of commitment is we only have so much time and energy, and we try to have these, we try to balance it all out somehow. It's why it's not just with resolutions, it's why sometimes our marriages fail because of how much work we put into our jobs, or it's also why friendships sometimes get in the way with our family. I mean, I've got to really be with these friends, and then our family's wondering, why aren't you spending time with us? Or, man, I really want to do this hobby. I want to enjoy this time. I've got to have this outlet, and sometimes that gets in the way of us spending time with God. There's, so much, there's only so much time in a day, friends. I have good news for you. There is a level of commitment that you and I cannot do ourselves, but comes to us from the God who loves us and has created us. If our main problem in our lives is balancing the commitments, then God doesn't have any issue in his commitment to us. And so today, as we look into the scriptures, we are going to truly discover how committed God is to you and I and this world. And what's beautiful, beautiful about this is that this commitment isn't just, it doesn't just stay up in heaven, it just doesn't stay with God, but it comes to us through his presence with us. And so we're going to begin to learn this through looking at John chapter 1 and the first 18 verses of John chapter 1. It will be up on the screen if you don't have your Bibles with you. But before we get into the scripture, I wanted to share with you the first four books of the New Testament are called Gospels. And the point of Gospels are simple. To tell us and to share with us who this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, really was. And why his life changed the world forever. And so we go into the Gospels with actually different perspectives. All four Gospel writers have different perspectives as they go along. John is the youngest gospel. In other words, it was written the latest. And so John, when he writes these accounts about Jesus, he inserts not only the stories, but he inserts what the church has come to believe about Jesus up to that point. As more time was spent away from Jesus, the more the church began to understand who he was. Does that make sense? And so John, instead of just starting out with a genealogy or, uh, or starting out with the, the birth of Jesus or all these things, he starts out with this beautiful prologue, and it's completely different. And it's, it's loaded, friends. It is loaded with meaning. It is loaded with messages, like legitimately, we're going to read 18 verses. We could spend 18 weeks on each verse. It is so drenched with meaning and understanding of who Jesus is. So today as we read this, we are, 
we're just, we're just getting a glimpse of everything that is found in this. But as we read this, friends, I want you to remember that word commitment. Remember that word commitment. And how God shows who he is in this passage. We read, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the word, and without the word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the word was life, and the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. A man named John was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him everyone would believe in the light. He himself wasn't the light, but his mission was to testify concerning the light. The true light that shines on all people was coming into the world, and the light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light, but the world didn't recognize the light. The light came to his own people, and his own people didn't welcome him. But those who did welcome him, those who believed in his name, he authorized to become God's children, born not from blood, nor from human desire or passion, but born from God. The word became flesh and made his home among us, and we have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified about him, crying out, This is the one of whom I said, He who comes after me is greater than me, because he existed before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. As the law was given through Moses, so grace and truth came into being through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. God the only Son who is at the Father's side, has made God known. There's a lot there, isn't there? But the one thing that is so amazing about this passage is that we begin to understand who Jesus is, but also when Jesus is. And how Jesus is. You might be thinking, what? I'm very confused by that. Because many of us are time-bound creatures. And when we think about Jesus, we think about the man who, who was on the earth 2,000 years ago and lived in a certain way and died on the cross and rose again from the grave and then ascended into heaven. We just think that Jesus is this static figure in time. But what John is trying to share with us is that that Jesus is the Christ. And the Christ has existed before Jesus came into the world. In fact, the Christ existed at the very beginning of the world. And so what John, he, he's, again, he, he, he uses some poetry and he uses the word, word. <laughs> That's why word is capitalized. It is signifying who Christ is. 
And what we find out is this very, very important part of our faith, and it's hard to explain, and we're still, when we say it out loud, it still, it still sounds crazy. But we have found it to be true because this is what God has shown to us. You ready for this? I've got a slide for this. You ready? Okay, here it is. Oh, not that one. God is the Word. Christ is the Word. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is God. That sounds nuts, right? How can you be all these things all at the same time? But that's the amazing thing about God, is that God is far greater than what we think is possible. See, Jesus Christ is a part of one. He is distinct, but he is the same. And later, whenever the church would receive a supernatural event called Pentecost, the Holy Spirit would come down upon the people. And then the people said, no, this is also God too. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are one, and yet they are distinct. The three persons of the Trinity, we call it. And you might think to yourself, well, what does this have to do with anything? Well, quite frankly, it's important to remember that before Jesus came into the world, the Christ was present at the beginning of the world. And at the beginning of the world... The world was created through him. And he put himself into creation. Do you ever wonder, if, if you know your Bible at all, did you know that the creation, the world, was created and God calls it good? Good. For the six days, he creates all these different parts of the world. And then when he gets to humanity, he says, it's very good. Because humanity carries the image of God. And so God has placed himself within the design of creation. And he has always been present, shining his light. Now, there is a certain part where another Force is inserted into John's language, isn't it? The light shines in the darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. And we wonder, where does this darkness come from? Well, the darkness is from, quite frankly, friends, us. You know where darkness comes from? When humans say to God, hey, your limits your ways, what you want the world to be, I don't want it. I want to do my own thing. And the entire world, friends, was plunged into darkness through the sin of humanity. But what does John say? Even though the world is plunged into darkness, it, the light shines in the darkness. 
And the darkness does not extinguish it. The darkness does not overcome it. The darkness does not understand it. The darkness does not accept it. Friends, listen to me. Christ was here before Jesus came into the world. And you know what he's always been doing? Shining his light. I've got a slide for that one. God, friends, has always been present in this world, shining his light. Because again, sometimes we're just so stuck on God inserting himself into the world in the baby Jesus and then the 30 years that Jesus is on the earth and all these different kinds of things. No, 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 no. God has always been present with us. Even when we said, no, God, no. He said, I'm still going to be here and I'm still here to light your way back to me. You ever wondered why the Old Testament is included in our scriptures? It's quite frankly, the continuous light of God shining to the creation that rejected him and saying, come back to me. And the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. I want to tell you all, friends, there is nothing in this universe that can stop God from being God. There's nothing in this universe that can stop God from shining his light into the world. Nothing. And so God has been shining light from the very beginning. And God shined his light through Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ. And God continues to shine his light today, friends. The good news of Christmas is that God is with us. Not that God was with us, or not that God will be with us. God is with us. And nothing can stamp out that light. Nothing can extinguish it. And now I want to, I'm going to be a, a word nerd for a second. <laughs> but when you hear that word extinguish, maybe in your translation you hear the darkness did not understand or did not accept the light. There's a number of meanings in this one word, but I, need, I, want, I want you all to hear everything. First, it can mean that the darkness doesn't comprehend the light. In other words, I don't get it. <laughs> then there is the other, another meaning we're saying, the darkness does not have power over it. In other words, the darkness cannot control it or extinguish it or get rid of it. So there's two meanings there, friends. And what we see there is that this light, even though it's shining in the world, can still be rejected. That doesn't mean that the light isn't still shining. And the light can still... is shining brightly. 
Darkness did not overcome the light, not before Jesus, not when Jesus died, and not now. Friends, that's good news. That is good news. That a God that was rejected by, its, by his own creation would stick with us. Sounds like commitment, doesn't it? That sounds like a commitment far beyond what you and I experience from day to day. Because again, you and I continuously think about commitment and how much time and energy we can spend, but God has spent his entire time and energy and presence reaching out to us, a creation that said no, and he says, I, I don't care, I love you, I forgive you, come back to me. God could have just said, eh, forget it all. This world is lost. I'll just go and create another world or whatever God thinks about. But no, he, he sends his presence to us in the form of this, of a human being, to show how committed he is to saving us and to redeeming the world that he created. And that's not just humanity, friends. That's the world that was plunged into darkness by our own actions. And so because of this, friends, you and I have hope that God is not a cold God, that he is not indifferent to the things that are going on in the world, but he is in the world shining his light. He has never left us. And you and I have that same temptation maybe to think, you know what, forget this world. Because you know what seems to be so prevalent? Darkness. You and I are so surrounded by darkness. And it comes when humans hurt each other, and it comes when wars come to our doorstep, and it comes when family members can't forgive each other, and it comes to us when we get the diagnosis that we are not going to live very much longer. And we focus so much on the darkness. Because it's, we think we have to take it upon ourselves and fix it. When God has dwelt among us and is with us and is shining his light in the darkness. Levi Jones talks about God coming to us in the form of Jesus. And I think it, it brings forth to us, friends, just that reassurance that maybe you need today. God moved into the neighborhood. Y'all know that, right? Do you, any of you watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Y'all, we're in God's neighborhood. God moved into the neighborhood, and God put on flesh and dwelt among us as one of us. And it is the flesh of Christ that demonstrates God's own commitment to the creation, which includes our broken 
humanity. Y'all messed up in your life? God's, God's not going to abandon you. You've hurt other people intentionally? God loves you and forgives you and has his hand out to you. And that neighbor who you want to hate so much, God's hand is open to that neighbor too. God's commitment to us is unshakable, friends. Now, does that mean we get everything that we want? No. His commitment is for us to be restored to him. And so often, we bring the darkness into the world by doing what we want instead of trusting God in his way and his will and his kingdom. And so, in order to do this, Jesus comes into the world and gives himself and raises from the grave so that you and I would be able to accept his life, accept his faith, accept his commitment to the world. That's why John begins to talk about those who did not welcome him, or those who do welcome him, those who welcomed Christ, those who believe in his name. He authorizes to become God's children and not born from blood and not born from human desire or passion, but born from God. Friends, we are not made God's children by anything we do. We are not made God's children by our own desires. We are not made his children by winning. <laughs> we are not made his children by a family lineage. We are made his children by his faith in us to be the people he created us to be. We become those people when we accept his grace and begin living out the life he wants for us, friends. But it starts with his faith. Not our faith. Some of us think that faith is all about me and what I believe. No, we receive the faith of Christ who thought you and I were worthy enough to walk the road to the cross and die for us. We receive the faith of Christ. And so because of this, friends, this means our commitment to the faith of or in Christ is a commitment to the world that he has been committed to from the very beginning and continues to be committed to. Not in the way that you think. You're like, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm not sure about this because the world seems so dark and the world seems... No, we're committed to walking the path of faith 
that God has given us. Not the way that the world does it, but the way that God does it. And it is through humility, and it is through love, and it is through hope and joy, and being people of peace, friends. So many of us are so cynical because all we see is darkness and we say, God's just going to throw it in flames. No, no, no. God comes back, y'all. And he brings heaven to earth. And he makes all things new. The ending is far more joyous than a lot of people like to say it is. Because he is committed to this world that he started to be good. And guess what? The world is moving to that goodness when he comes down once again. So friends, like Christ, you and I are called to go into the darkness and shine his light. We are committed to that. Richard Rohr, I think, has a, a quote for us that really will, will hit us right in the chest. We have faith in Christ so we can have the faith of Christ. Do you hear that? We have faith in Christ so we can have the faith of Christ. And we need to look at Jesus until we can look out at the world with his kind of eyes. The world no longer trusts Christians who love Jesus but do not seem to love anything else. How can we say that God loves you whenever we who supposedly have His love don't love the people around us or the world around us? It comes, friends, by accepting his faith, accepting his light, accepting his worldview, accepting his way of doing things, accepting his presence in you. To think, friends, that the same commitment that God has had for the entire world is now dwelling within those who follow him. What is possible? What is possible? That our entire priorities and our entire lives are re... They're transformed. They're renewed. They're restored to have the same priorities as God. To have the same love that God has given us to have the same hope that he has had for you and I. But it comes down to commitment, doesn't it? It comes down to commitment to having that faith in Christ. And this is when we get a little worried because we're spinning plates still. And I think what we do sometimes is we think that our commitment to God is like our commitments to everything else. 
I spend this amount of time praying in the morning. I spend this amount of time reading scripture. And I spend this amount of time getting to church. And I spend this amount of time. Also, I need to take care of work and bills. And I have to spend time with family and all these, right? If we begin to say that our commitment to God is human-based, guess what? God, God becomes less and less important in our lives. But if we were to have the commitment that God gives to you and I, to him, and to the world, then things might be different. I have a story that sort of shows this the best. I was in college and in, in, in a certain, uh, I don't know, some ministry class, whichever. <laughs> they all run together. It's probably about youth. Youths. I think, it was, I think we were talking about how we begin to communicate what it means to be parents who share God with your kids. I think that's what it was about. In any case, so he gets into this discussion about how so many people see God in the list of their priorities. Maybe you have done this before. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if all of us haven't done this before. But what you say is, here are my priorities in life. God, and then family, and then job, and then long-term goals, recreation, whatever, whatever it might be, right? And the concept is, God is first. But here's the problem when you put God first. Any of those other priorities can be made first. And so what ends up happening is, yeah, God moves down to three, and here's the job for right now. Oh, and well, here's my recreation right now. And here's, right? Because how that see, the commitment to God is seeing it in the way of how we try to play a balancing act and spin plates. It doesn't work. And so this professor envisions for us, all of us young ministry students, he envisions a paradigm shift. It says, what if instead we see as God being everything and then he shifts our priorities in such a way? So instead of seeing God as a part of our list, but rather God is everything, then we begin to live our lives in the way that he wants us to live. All of a sudden, church isn't a, well, if I get there or not, it is, I have to live out the love that God has given me with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I have to wake up every morning and be defined by how God sees me. I have to, every single day, read his word so I get an under, a greater vision of where God is in the world around me and how he's shining the light in the midst of me. You see the difference, friends? And if you're worried, but what about my other commitments? I have good news, friends. God is committed to the world that you live in. 
God is committed to the world that you live in. And if you begin to allow God to reshape your schedule and your priorities and your time and your energy, he will make sure that your family is loved. And he will work within you a new way of, a new way of doing your job, a new way of spending your downtime, a new way of seeing rest as being essential instead of what we run away from in our culture so much. Friends, God's light shines in every part of our lives. And so if we receive the commitment that he has had to us, he will rebuild our lives and reconfigure our lives. Every part of it. Family, relationships, job, recreation, all of it. He needs to be our everything. We need to receive the faith of commitment to him so that this world would understand that the light has not left, but shines in the darkness. What does your commitment to God look like, friends? Is he just another plate that you're spinning? Or is he the very energy, the very ability, the very identity that you have that begins spinning plates in a way that is holy and good? That your actions begin to reflect Christ. That your worldview sees the world, not us versus them, put in, we're in this together and I love my neighbor as myself. <clears throat> Would you receive the faith that Christ has in you, friends? And may you give all to him. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning for our service, which begins at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street, Northwest, in Warren, Ohio. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, please visit us at championnaz.org.